Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. You're listening to a teaching message by Vintage Church in Harker Heights, Texas. Whenever and wherever you are listening to this, our hope is that you are encouraged and challenged by this message and that you are inspired to take your next step with Jesus. For more information, please visit us at vintage.church or follow us on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Well, hello everyone and welcome back. Can you believe we're already in week five of our series, Shelter in Place? Well, we started a conversation a little over five, almost six weeks ago on how we can embrace God's plan for marriage and family. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us online, in person at one of our digital locations. We're so glad that you're here. I know I say this every single week. It's because it's important. Uh, We're going to spend the next 25 minutes digging into God's word in a specific topic on family. Super excited about our topic today, but we will not cover everything that we can. I want to encourage you to take this topic deeper, continue the conversation by joining a small group. These small groups meet digitally and in person all over our cities, all over the place. I want to encourage you to face some people, have some conversations. We've provided all kinds of resources for you to go deeper into the topic, but also to build relationships with other people in your spiritual family. I also want to encourage you to download the Vintage Church app. Uh, This is week five, meaning that we've already had four weeks where we've talked about different aspects of family. If you missed any of those weeks, you can view those on the app. You can also download the app, the notes for that week. Uh, we also have all kinds of information and ways for you to get connected and involved in our church family there at the Vintage Church app. You can download it on either of your app stores. Uh, I want to remind you, week five, we kicked off this series. We've talked a lot. Week one, you might remember, we opened up our series talking about the covenant of marriage, how marriage is the foundation of family. We've got to start with that relationship, get our eyes right, our hearts right with what God wants in the marriage relationship. Uh, Week two, we talked about communion or community and family. What does it look like to build a community in our homes that honors God, we shifted to learning how to communicate specifically to the heart of our family members. Communication is such a big problem in our families. Being intentional about creating places and spaces where we can face each other and communicate is very, very important. We talked about last week threats to purity or chastity in our family. We talked about what sexuality looks like uh, in the Christian home, how God's the one that defines the boundaries for it, not culture. Uh, This week, we're going to shift and we're going to talk about raising children God's way. You know, it seems like for just about everything you do that requires any kind of, of knowledge or skill, there's training or there's, there's, there's schooling for it. You have to pass a standardized test to move from one grade to the other. Uh, you have to practice and pass a test, both written and practical, just to drive a car. You have to get a certification for almost any job beyond the entry level. You have to go to medical school to become a doctor. You have to go to law school to become a lawyer. But you don't have to have any knowledge or any prior education to become a parent. I remember getting from the 
uh, getting home from the hospital. We had just had our first child. I say we, really Kyla did most of the work. It was our first child, Adeline, a baby girl. And I, I remember them handing him to us and we had all that help in the hospital. And then they wheel us to the entry. We get the baby in the car, we get home. And I'll never forget looking to my wife that first night in our home with our new child. And I looked over at her and I, I literally, I said this, she remembers. I said, what do we do now? Like, what, what do we do now? Like, do, do we have the books? Is there a class that you take? The truth is that nothing prepares you for becoming a parent than being a parent. Some of us growing up, we've had bad examples or no examples at all. And sometimes we do the best to just glean from the people and friends around us. We have some kids, but no one trained us on how to actually raise them. You know, although nobody tells us exactly how to do this thing called parenting, in the heart of every good parent. Every single parent who's ever looked their child in the eyes is the desire for them to succeed, to raise great kids. How many of you guys want your kids to be successful in life? I mean, some of you, you just want your kids to get off the payroll and move out. Come on, somebody, right? But you want your kids to, to grow up and, and, and to love God, to have a great marriage, to do well financially, to have great friendships, I think it's important when we, before we jump into a topic talking about children that we acknowledge that God's the greatest parent ever. He's our parent. That if we want those things for our kids, how much more does our Father in heaven want those things for them as well? John 10.10 10 says this. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But look what he says. My purpose is to give them, every kid, every child of God, a rich and satisfying life. We have to remember that the desire for our kids to succeed in life is a good, everyone say good. It's a good, godly desire. Now on a side note, I know we're talking about kids and you might be in here today thinking to yourself, well, I don't, I don't really have any kids. How does this apply to me? I believe that what we're going to learn today not only applies to natural children, but it also applies to adopted children. And it also applies to spiritual children. No matter where you're at today, one day, if not today, you're going to need to know and understand how to raise children God's way. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses writes from God a lot about family, specifically how we're to bring up our children. There's some profound passages here. We're going to read several today. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses one and two. It says, these are the commands, decrees, laws. The Lord, your God directed me to teach you to observe, observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Look what it says. So that you, your children and their children after them, look at this, may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live. What we're going to do in the next few moments is we're going to talk about five biblical principles about raising children. I think it's very, very important as we take a look at this, this passage in Deuteronomy that we, we understand something about how the Bible teaches us about kids. You see, in the Bible, we don't get a whole lot of really, really detailed information about specifically what to do in specific situations, but the Bible does give us principles that we can use, right, and apply to raising our kids. The first principle we see here in Deuteronomy 6 is 
We must think and act generationally. He says, you, your children and your children's children may fear God. That word fear doesn't mean they're scared of God, but it means they know God. There's a a healthy reverence for the goodness, the power, the character of God. We want our kids to succeed. If we want our kids to succeed, here's what we've got to learn. We've got to learn to teach them the word and the ways of God. Don't teach them what to think, but teach them how to think from the principles that God gives us in Scripture. We've got to break the cycle we see when we read about the family of God, Israel, in the Old Testament. We see this pattern after this passage was given by Moses. We see this pattern in family where, 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 where at one point the parents, right, they know God. But then their kids know of God, but don't really know God. And then by the time the grandkids come around, they know not God. There's a cultural lie out there today that says you shouldn't force religion on your kid. And you should just let them figure it out on their own. However, when we look at parenting God's way, we see that anytime there's something good, there's something that works. We want to give that good thing, that good practice to our children. For example, we don't apply this this idea to their hygiene. I mean, we know that if they brush their teeth, it's good. So what do we do? We teach them how to what? Brush their teeth. The world is constantly forming your children or attempting to form your children in its image. But God is very clear that your child, just like you, you were made in God's image. Look what Genesis 1.27 says. So God created human beings, even your kids, they count, in his own image. In the image of God, they created them, male and female, he created them. We want to point them to the truth that they're made in God's image, that they're loved by God. Let's continue to read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Did you know that your children following God starts with a family that chooses to pursue God with everything they have? Here's the next principle. My relationship with God is the catalyst to my children knowing God. Let me say it again. My relationship with God is the catalyst. It's the fuel for my children to know God. I think sometimes we we jump to wanting something for them that we're not actually living in our own life. We have this idea of flu shot parenting. I don't know if you know much about the flu or vaccines, but the idea is you inject just enough of the dead, uh, of the dead virus to, to kind of create an immune response to the main thing. You know, some parents give their kids just a little bit of God and it makes them immune to all of God. We try to pepper in a little bit of God amongst Little League or dance class or one of the many activities we do or the vacations we take. And here's what we do. We prioritize God just a little bit. So when they grow up, they don't prioritize him at all. Statistics have shown that kids who become active Christians look at these facts about church. If mom and dad went to church, 72% of the kids will as adults. If mom and dad went to church, if mom only went to church, 15% of the kids will as adults. If dad only went, 55% will as adults. If neither mom nor dad goes to church, only 6% of kids as adults will. 
And you know, this isn't just about church. This is really about pr- the priority of God and faith in your life. You need to ask questions like, does my family see that I have a love for Jesus in my heart? Is it clear to my family that Jesus is a priority in my life? If it's not modeled by me, it's more likely won't be realized by them. Now you're talking to someone that I'm going to tell you, I'm a pastor. You probably heard the crazy stories about PK kids. Those are pastor kids. And one of the things I always do in my house is I make it, I make it clear to my kids. It is a great joy to be a part of what God's doing in our church. We don't go to church. We are the church. The church is a family. God is a priority. We pray. We spend time. We're generous to people. What, what, what I'm trying to say is the best thing you can do for your kids to know God is for you to continue for the rest of your life, starting here forward, getting to know God. They will do what you do. They won't do what you say. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses six through nine. Let's keep moving. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Doesn't say let, doesn't say let them get there on their own. It says impress them on your children. Talk with them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. The next principle of parenting we see in raising children is I must be intentional about training my children. Look at the words that were used in Deuteronomy 6 there. We're to talk about it every chance you get. That has to do with what comes out of our mouths, with the conversations we have that our kids are involved in. Write them on your hands. That has to do with your actions. Tie them on your forehead. Keep them in your mind. Write them on your door frames. They're to be a foundation in our home. You see, the problem is if you and I, if we lead or we parent by instinct, we're going to make our kids in our own image. We're going to repeat the mistakes of our parents. That's why we must love God and out of that train children. Listen, it takes time. It takes studying. It takes intentionality. But what's interesting in the Bible is the Bible promises us if we'll latch on to these principles, if we'll practice them in our own context, apply them to our own situations, the Holy Spirit, listen, we will succeed. God's word never fails. Proverbs 22, six says this, train a child in the way he should go. Proverbs here, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. The word here train in the ancient text is the word quanak, and it means to initiate, dedicate, or train. And so when you look at Proverbs, there's a lot of training we can see. And I think sometimes as parents, we're kind of like, like, what are the categories? Like you say train a child up, but that's so like kind of vague. So I'm going to, I look through Proverbs and I want to give you several areas that Proverbs instructs us as parents, specific areas that we're to train our kids in the way God does things. The first area is we're to train them to manage God's money. This is found in Proverbs chapter three, verses nine through 10. We're to train them in how to deal with what God puts in their hand. The next thing is we're to train them to carefully select friends. This is in Proverbs 13, 20. We're to train them to watch their words, to have control of their mouth and the words that come out of it. Proverbs 4, 24. We're to train them to be responsible. Proverbs six, verses six through eight. We're to train them to guard their minds. And what goes in? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. We're to train them to be generous. Proverbs 11, verse 25. 
And we're to train them to fear God, Proverbs 1.7. So all of these training, all of this training from Proverbs, we train them best as we're training ourselves or being trained ourselves in these areas. Remember, they'll do what you do, rarely what you say. And every parent in here said, amen. We're training them by training them in these practical areas to be able to live and function in a relationship with God and culture on their own. The next principle we see about training children is training my children will require that I discipline my children. The next thing we see is training my children will require that I discipline my children. Now, when I say the word discipline, I know from experience, my own and those that I've pastored for many years, that all of us have different reactions and different interpretations for the word discipline. What do you think, what came to your mind when I said the word discipline? You know, when I hear that word, I immediately fear, I immediately hear anger and I feel fear. I grew up with some pretty angry parents. My dad left my mom when I was five years old. He was mad at her and she was mad about that. And anytime I got into trouble, one or several members of my family would fly off the handle. They would start hitting, usually the belt. I'm going to tell you, my home growing up was a pretty terrifying place. I couldn't wait to leave. When I grew up, here's what I determined. I determined from my experience that I would never do that to my children. Here's the problem when you make a vow or when you swear to never do something because of fear or because of anger. Here's what happens. Faith is impossible because faith cannot occupy occupy the same place of fear. And when we had our first child, it was a little girl. And as she got older, we had another and another child. I was so grateful to have spiritual family in my life a pastor friend who loved me and saw this error in how I thought about discipline, he pulled me aside and he encouraged me back to what the Bible says on the topic. You know, there are a lot of opinions, there are a lot of emotions, experiences, attitudes about discipline, but we've got to go back to what the Bible says. So let's start with the most famous, even infamously quoted scripture on discipline. It's in Proverbs 13, 24. It says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Another translation of this passage says, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And many times when we're talking about discipline, people will focus in, hyper-focus on the rod and they'll connect it to this idea of spanking. Okay, now, but if you look at this deeper, the rod isn't a belt or even a a switch. The rod that the author here is talking about, when you see the word rod used, it's referring to a shepherd's staff. It's like a shepherd and their sheep, our children. We have this staff, and on the end of the staff is a hook. So when our kids kind of start to go astray, we can kind of hook them back into the fold. At times, you might have a stubborn sheep, and you kind of have to turn that rod sideways and be a little rougher. There are times when there's threats to your family where you use that rod to fend off predators or wolves that would seek to hurt the sheepfold or your family. But here's my point here. All discipline, the rod represents discipline in many, many different forms, okay? But it's all done to protect and to direct. It's not just about can I spank or not. And in my story, when one of my parents would fly off the handle, I would see their anger, and in that moment, I would feel afraid. 
I learned as I read God's word that what I was feeling right, was a byproduct of something they weren't doing appropriately. How do I know that? Let's go back to God's word. Proverbs 22, verse 8 says, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity. Look what it says. And the rod of his fury will fail. Another translation, the rod of your anger will fail. So every time you wield that rod in anger, your kids aren't going to listen and they're not going to get the right message. First John 4, 8 says, there is no fear in love. Why? Because perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. If it produces fear, it's not of God. So let me give you a biblical definition of discipline from this word rod. Biblical discipline isn't done in anger and doesn't produce fear in our children. Biblical discipline, when done right, according to scripture, isn't done in anger and it doesn't produce fear in our children. So pastor, you're probably thinking, okay, Rod, pastor, I got to ask you a question. Do you spank your kids? To which I would say, spanking is one of many tools in my discipline tool belt. To answer your question, yes, but almost always as a very last resort. I want to give you a few thoughts on discipline in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Proverbs 22, verse 15 says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Here's what it's saying, that when discipline is done right, okay, it doesn't produce anger and fear in our children. It produces the right response in our children. So here's a few thoughts on discipline. Discipline is most effective when children are young. When you see the rod of discipline used in scripture, it always refers to the earlier, the better. The more you can direct your children when they're young, right, the more effective your discipline will be. The next thing we see is do not discipline in anger. We saw in Proverbs 22, anger will always fail when it's connected to discipline, the rod. Don't discipline in anger. Calm down before you act. The next thing that we see is make consequences very clear and consistent. The shepherd is always there. The sheep know, right, where out of bounds is. So here's what we learn. Discipline isn't just about spanking. Again, I rarely spank my kids, but I do just for, for you to, to just give you something to think about. Me and Kyla have determined three times where we feel like it's okay. We're going to spank our children. There's three things, three things that our kids do, and they know these things. Okay, it's very clear up front. They know what happens when they do one of these three things. The first thing is anytime they lie. We're very serious about this. We also emphasize that if you just tell us the truth, okay, you're going to avoid a spanking. You're going to avoid that type of discipline. And so as a result, our kids, they don't lie very often. Okay, the next thing is rebellion to authority. This is a big one. Blatant disregard for authority. That includes teachers police and coaches. We don't play the, the argue for our children game with teachers and people that lead them. They need to understand authority. And by the way, authority is not perfect. Authority makes mistakes, but they still need to learn to respect authority. There's going to come a time in their life where if they don't learn to respect authority, that's imperfect. They won't respect God's authority that they don't understand. Okay. So they've got to learn to trust authority. That's a big deal for us. The number three is anytime they disrespect mom. I remind my kids over and over again, 
Me and your mom were married before you, and we will be married after you, so cut it out. Those are the three reasons why the Martins might spank our children. Again, I don't just jump to that unless it's one of those big three. Now, when I do discipline that way, I want to give some, I want to give some very clear instruction here. I think this is important. Okay, the first thing is I never do it in anger. Why? Because I don't want my kids to miss the point. And I never use my hands. This is a big deal. We use a paddle. Okay, I don't want to associate my hands with that, with that, with that, that, that punishment. I don't want to associate my hands. So we use a paddle that's made for spanking. We only spank on the meaty portion of their bottom. That's really important. I also never do it in public. Listen to me, parents. You cannot humiliate your kids in public. I never spank my kids in public. I always wait and take them to another, another place out of view. Okay. And I always come back afterwards to the lesson. I always come back to the lesson and it's always related to my love for them, which is translated into God's love for them. I always point them back to how much we love and care about them. The author of Hebrews writes in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, he says, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, meaning you're not going to be perfect, okay? But God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. Now look at this next verse. This is powerful. No discipline whether it's spanking or being grounded or however you choose to discipline your kids. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces, when it's done right, a harvest of righteousness and peace. Everyone say peace. And peace in the hearts of everyone who's been trained by it. One of the best things you offer your kids as parents is godly, good, biblical discipline. It's important to raising kids because of the last principle my greatest accomplishment is that my children know and serve God. At the end of the day, I think generationally. At the end of the day, I acknowledge that my relationship with God is a catalyst for my children to know God. I, I admit, listen, I gotta be intentional about training. I've got to discipline my children, but what's the big reason? The big reason is that they will know God. They'll know and serve God. The idea that we need to provide our kids everything we didn't have, it's not only realistic, but it's destructive, and it gets our eyes off of the main win. What's the win? Teaching them the will and ways of God. We don't want them to get us and miss God. Okay, We want to make sure that they get God. Mark 8.36, we're going to be closing. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I want to close with this, and I want you to really think about it. As we talk about raising children, whether it's natural, adopted, spiritual children, I want you to think about this and allow it to redirect how you think about raising children. If I make a lot of money and lose my kids, I've failed. If they get scholarships and go to great universities, if they get great jobs and make lots of money, if they become great athletes, if they are popular, if they are smart, but don't know God through a relationship with Jesus... I have failed them. You and I as parents were stewards of our children. Whose children are they first? God's. I think for a lot of parents, the worst fear we think about is losing our kids physically. But what if, because we don't, we don't train them, we don't discipline, what if they get to the end of their life and God loses them for eternity? The stakes are very high in raising children. We need to commit 
as Christians, as spiritual family, to raise our kids according to the Bible so that when they're older, they will know and serve God. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing in our hearts and minds right now. I pray, Father, for each and every parent in here. Father, maybe their kids are older. Maybe their kids are younger. Maybe, Father, they don't have kids, but one day they will. Maybe, Lord, they have spiritual kids. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit you would give them wisdom on how to apply these principles to their particular families. I thank you, God, for your great mercy and grace that we are a picture of, 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 of you to our children, Father, but we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We pray, Father, that your grace continues to cover us. We also pray, God, that you give us the strength, Lord, to teach you, your word, your ways to our children so that when they're older, they'll follow you, they'll serve you for the rest of their life. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. You can stay connected with us at vintage.church or on Facebook by searching Vintage Church TX. Here at Vintage, we believe that church is more than a place or a weekend activity. It's a spiritual family where Jesus is the center of our lives personally and our relationships collectively. If you're in the Harker Heights, Fort Hood area, we would love to have you join us this week. You can learn more about us, our service times, and plan your visit by checking out our website at vintage.church. We hope to see you soon.